How many of y'all believe that last song? God is mighty to save. I mean, really believe it. Not that you heard it. Not that you even said the words, but you believe it. Because, see, I think a lot of times we hear things, but we don't believe things. We even say things, but we might not believe things. And we get a prime example of what happens when there's hearing and not believing going on in this chapter. I, I had to pause and, and kind of snicker last night. I came in for, for just some meetings I had and the, and the room was all decorated next door for the baby shower. And I just started shaking my head. I'm like, Lord, do you realize you picked a chapter where they eating kids on the same week? On the same week, they're going to have a baby shower in the, in the building right next door right afterwards. And I could almost, I ain't talking about no audible here now, so don't be leaving here saying I said that part, but, but I can almost like hear God say, I bet I'll have their attention. You know what I'm saying? Like, does God not line stuff up and just blow our minds sometimes? I mean, it, it really does just blow my mind how much God will line something up so far in advance that we don't even have a clue, you know, what he's doing. And, and I'm so glad that like we read chapters, cause I'll tell you right now, this chapter, I'm gonna go like here and then here. And then he like there's an order to the chaos, but it's kind of like you ever sat around with guys like maybe after work or something trying to figure out what you did for the day. And like you just like you don't have the things in order, but you've got all the things. So you just you shouting out this car, that car and this tire and that tire, or this patient and that patient or, you know, this student and that student and this lesson and that lesson. And, and you just all over the place and eventually you get the whole story. And then, you know, somebody proper comes along and writes it, you know, the right way and in the right order. That's kind of where I'm going to be. So I hope you listen just now. I hope you got your word open because uh, that's where we're going to go. So how many people have heard this story before and actually like, like you remember it, honestly? Really? That's more than I thought. I'm, I'm going to be honest. When I, when, I, when I first read this, I was like, I bet a lot of people don't really remember a story, which I guess if you hear it once, you remember it. But you know, you won't forget it. That's for sure, right? But I'm kind of glad it's one of those unfamiliar stories. Because I think sometimes when God takes an unfamiliar story, he can like do something special and catch us off guard, you know, and getting ready to, to, to just wake you up a little bit and, and surprise you with something that maybe you weren't you weren't expecting or whatever. Right. So here's what it says at the beginning of chapter one or chapter seven, verse one. I, I just love how, how it starts. Elijah says, hear the word of the Lord. You, you ever had a teacher, a parent, a spouse <laughs> say, hey, listen up. What does that generally mean when they start a sentence like that? Well, it's important. All right. So that's one thing. Usually two things. You're in trouble. <laughs> it could mean that too. <laughs> two things I thought of being in trouble wasn't one of them, but I am always there. Right. This is going to be important. What's the other part? If, if you got to tell your kid, hey, listen up. What's most likely going on previous to that? They ain't been listening. Y'all must have little angels out there. My little hellions, I'm going to tell you right now, there's times I got to say, hey, listen up. Like you got so much distraction going on and so much thought going on and so much other stuff going on. I need to get your attention. And since my wife got nursery, sometimes I got to tell her. <laughs> but she does have to tell me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so like, <laughs> get off that recording, boy. What's wrong with you? So, so Elijah's saying, hear the word of the Lord. He's saying, listen up. So what that means is there must have been some unlistening going on before he says this important thing, right? So, so maybe, I don't know where we get distracted. You know, kids get distracted by a game. I get distracted by work or, you know, something on the TV or, a sport, you know, whatever it is. 
what if you've been listening to like doubts and listening to dysfunctions and listening to your disappointments and, and just listening to all this stuff that you're not supposed to be listening to when we think about listening to God? God doesn't want us to listen to that stuff. He wants us to listen to his word. He wants us to believe his promises and not just hearing them and not just saying them, but believing them and living them and acting on them. So he says, listen up. And, and the, there's a problem we'll get to at the end of six, which you guys have already already read. But but here's what he starts. But then you always got this guy in verse two. In verse two, it says, even if the Lord could open up the floodgates of heaven, could this really happen? Y'all know people like this? Doubters, haters, whatever you want to call them. You know what I'm saying? Like no, like no matter what, no matter how positive you're trying to stay, stay, stay they got, they just got something negative. They're always doubting. They're all, no, there's no way that can happen. Or they're always, they've always got this or that going on that, that tries to combat whatever positive attitude you're trying to bring, you know, to the, to the table. You know, like a negative Nancy, I guess you could, you could call them, right? We know, we know people like this. Why do we hang out with people like this? <laughs> In the words of Odie Bogham, ouch. <laughs> now, now, here's the sad part. Not only is this guy negative about this person, this spokesman for God, he's actually being negative about God. He's placing limits on God. He's smart to know, hey, the city's surrounded, so the only place it can come is from heaven. But even if God could open up heaven, could he really do what you're saying in 24 hours? I don't know if you guys pay attention to like gas prices and, and grocery prices and stock prices and, and that kind of stuff. Generally, they don't go way up and then like drop right back down. It's a gradual decrease because they're afraid of what may happen to fluctuate it the other way. So they don't ever want to. Drop it too soon. This case, Elijah says it's going to happen so fast. But in 24 hours where you was paying for a donkey head, which, by the way, was not like this. You know, some of y'all might be thinking, did you go to the fancy restaurant and get the donkey head? No, this is how desperate they are. Like nobody's wanting to have donkey head for dinner. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and dove's dumb. You know, not there's some there's some stipulation here. And I don't know what's right. And I really don't care because I don't think it changes the meaning of the verse. Some people say they were literally eating dove's dumb. Maybe. I don't know. Like, if you that hungry, God have mercy on you, right? I did a little study, and there is a flower in that area called a dove's dung. The, the seeds that, that pop out from it. So you kind of say, like, they're paying this much money for a bag of sunflower seeds. I don't know if you... Could you imagine if you walked into the grocery store to get a bag of sunflower seeds? Hey, baby, give me some of that dove's dung. I don't know. But, but maybe that's what it is, right? Maybe they were buying it to fertilize plants. I have no idea, and I don't care, because it doesn't change the meaning of the story. What he's saying is they're so desperate they're paying outrageous prices for stuff that shouldn't be these prices. And Elijah says in 24 hours, I'm going to flip the whole stock market upside down. Like I'm going to drop it. I'm going to drop it so crazy that like things you actually want to be buying is going to be so cheap and on sale. It's going to be like going to the Dollar Tree. You know what I'm saying? Like like you paid 450 for some rapid favor from Target. Now you're going to pay a dollar from the Dollar Tree when you get to the right the right location, the right time, and the right spot, right? Like, that's, that's the kind of change up he's doing. But you got this guy who looks at this in a realistic, worldly way, like we do sometimes. And he says, is that even possible? I, I remember, y- y'all laugh, man. I got a special brother-in-law. Like, really special, right? Y'all can pick out which one I'm talking about. He may or may not be sitting, like, in that area or, you know, I don't know. But 
But it was a couple years after he was dating my sister. And like he calls me one day and he's flipping out, like excited as can get. He goes, Bo, I can't believe you've been holding out. Man. I can't believe you ain't told me about this. And I'm like, oh, man, you done found something cool. Like, what'd you find, Bo? Like, where's the part store at? Like, what, what are we going to get? He says, there's a store where everything is a dollar. So I hung up on him. You called me with something stupid. <laughs> he was utterly amazed that, that, that there was a store that had everything for a dollar. He didn't think it was even pot. Y'all, I'm dead serious. That's a true story. That is not just for sermon gimmicks and all that. That's like real, real life right there, right? He's amazed by it. That's kind of where this guy's at. He's so amazed that this kind of thing can happen. He's like, is that, is that even something God can do? He's limiting God. And hear me now, because here we need to get into some lessons. Our first lesson is this. It's a dangerous thing to entrust your dream into somebody else's disappointments. Right? This, this is, this is Elijah's dream. This is his, this, this is the, this would be the dream of the whole city, really. You know, man, we want the stock market flip. We want stuff cheap. We want to be able to eat again. We don't want to be surrounded by walls and trapped in this little area. Y'all got tired of being trapped in your homes, right? Because of this COVID crap. They're tired of being trapped in their, in their city. Like they're tired of the walls being shut. They're ready to get out. And he's, and he says this dream out loud. And there happens to be a guy in the room who hears the dream who's full of disappointment. Right. And sometimes we'll be speaking things that those around us aren't really ready to receive. And that, that's like a scary thing because you're, you're excited. And you want to share that. But here, here's the warning. Here's the only warning I want to give you. I'm not telling you to stop saying those things. I'm saying be careful if you receive their doubt back. Because their doubt sometimes can influence you. You got you got to make sure you hold on to what you're supposed to be holding on to. Right. Because their limitations are the limitations that you embrace. I guess we could say will limit your experiences. This guy's limitation we just read about. It's going to really limit his experience. He's going to get to see it. He's going to get to hear about it. He may know the words to the song. He may be able to say the words to the song. But you better believe he ain't going to be able to believe the words to the song because he ain't going to get to have it hands on, you know, with him. It's a scary, scary thing. So this officer says, look, even if the Lord opened up the heavens, is this even a possible thing? What he did is he closed the gate. And, and, and I want to I want to I want to get back to that gate here in just a minute with, with two two different scenarios with the gate. But but here's the background in case you guys know how this this works. They're so. They're so desperate because of this famine, right? So the way famine generally would come about would be a lack of rain. You know, they're they're a, they're a horticulture environment. They're they're into farming, like I said. In this case, it doesn't come that way. This case, it comes because there's a there's a practice of war where rather than get in there and fight and lose all your men, you just surround the enemy and you make it where he can't come out. You starve them out. And one of two things is going to happen: they're going to either give up or they're going to start coming out. But by the time they come out, they're going to be so weak it ain't going to matter. Right. So so this is a practice. And Bennett had knew this practice and he was great at this practice and he's implementing this practice. And he's got the city surrounded so much that they're buying donkey heads and, and doves dung. And man, I didn't even want to get on it. But seriously, though, can you imagine how desperate they had to be to revert to, to cannibalism? Right. Now, I, I don't even know which way it was. Did they pick up a child that, that had died and used it? Did they take a living child that was already weak and. You just got to picture the scene because when we picture the scene, it, it gets to our emotions, right? And it pulls out our strings and all this. But, but here's the reality. And I say this all the time. I think, I think almost everything in scripture that's physically written has some spiritual connotation behind it. 
or, or some, some other symbolism behind it, right? And as we think that sounds so extreme, how many ways is it that you and I today compromise the next generation? Right? Either we're starving them because we're not giving them anything to run wild on. I ain't talking physical food no more. Or we've just compromised the whole spiritual walk. And the, and the, and the system just, just shifts, right? That's, that's how desperate these guys are. They're so desperate. They're now taking children and making deals with their neighbor, you know, on, on, on what to do with this. And the, the saddest part of this, when you really study and check it out, says first, this isn't a normal famine. You know, normal famine, like we said a minute ago, is, is a drought. So, you know, they would think, because they, they looked at, you know, uh, you could say it this way, a drought is a cutoff of the supply you need, right? So God would do this sometime. Remember Elijah said, it ain't going to rain for three years. And, and it didn't rain for three years. And what did it do? It got the people's attention back on God. So God will use that stuff sometime to turn our, our attention back, right? And in ancient times, they would believe the, the famine and the, and the weather conditions and all this stuff was a was a symbol and a sign of God's blessing. So if that stopped, they think, oh, you know, highlight, man, God must be not happy with us. He's not blessing us. He's not bringing forth rain, which brings forth life, which brings forth crops, which brings forth food. Right. So, so you got all this going on in this case, though, chapter six and seven, guys, this ain't it. I bet outside the walls is flourishing with stuff. If not, these guys wouldn't have been hanging out there so long. Right. It, it's flourishing with stuff, but a siege or, or, or a surrounding of the enemy has stopped them being able to, to get what God's been supplying. And I got to make sure we point that out because they put themselves in this situation. We're so quick to be like the king and want to blame God for situations we put ourselves in. God's been supplying a lot. Just the, the source of the supply has been cut off. And you better believe the devil, our enemy, that's the way he'll attack us because he can't stop God's supply, but he can stop your, your source to the supply. He can stop your availability to the supply. He can stop your openness to the supply. And he can stop you going and getting what is rightfully yours. And that's what he does right here. The, the, the enemy puts him in this state of unbelief and he blocks them, right? <laughs> Sometimes we're starving not because of something that God didn't supply, but because we're not getting what God has been supplying. That's why you can come to church on a Sunday and leave just as empty. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you just didn't receive it. You didn't grab it. You didn't run with it. You didn't, you didn't even think about it. That's why you can open the word and you can read through because that's your checklist thing to do and not get nothing out of it. You weren't doing it to get nothing out of it. You were doing it to get a checklist. That's why some of you can pray and not get miracles. I'm serious. Don't get quiet because you don't like it. Like this, this is the reality of, of our walk with Christ sometimes. Look at verse 2 again. The, the, the wording of here should, should highlight something for us. Then it says the captain, the, the, the king's right-hand man, the guy he he leans on. <laughs> I wrote down the first time I read it, you got to be careful who you lean on. Right? This is his right-hand man, meaning like this this is his guy, man. You know, This is the one he turns to for everything. This is the one he relies on for, for everything. And sometimes, uh, sad as it is, and we don't like it, the very people you lean on are the people that's going to drag you into their dysfunctional way of thinking. And that's scary, man, because they'll take somebody who's on fire and they'll throw water all over your fire and put it out. You know what I'm saying? And it ain't to quench your thirst. It's to stop your flame. So, so sometimes the, 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 the person we're leaning on in one season, this, this is kind of neat because the king probably needed this right hand man at one point. You think he didn't get to be the right hand man because he was always dysfunctional, right? 
at one point, the king of Avenida, so somebody you lean on in one season could be somebody who's making you fall in another season. Am I saying that right? Does that make sense? You, you ever thought about it? Like, I, I, you know, I was sitting there thinking about this guy. I'm like, why did he pick? You know, me, I don't like to be around negative people, man. I'm just telling you, like, you're going to be all negative. Like, I understand you got to be negative sometimes. And I understand you need a, a sounding board sometimes. But if everything that comes out your mouth is negative, I'm going to quit hanging out with you. Like, lose my number. We ain't going to text no more. You know, I, I got too much going on to get dragged down from, from where I'm at. Like, I, I'm proud of where I'm at. And I don't want to go. I don't want to go the wrong direction. You know what I'm saying? So, so like, this, this, this guy at one point had to be somebody who was beneficial and propped the king up. But now in this next season, he's the guy who's bringing the king down. Right. So so maybe you just maybe just jot down in your notes a warning. Right. Be careful who you lean on. Some people can't handle the weight of what God's speaking into your life. You know, I, I, I don't want to go to it, but y'all got so scared when grass and trees got started cutting in the field next door. Y'all didn't know what was going to happen. You know what happened? We just cut trees. We just cut grass. But all of y'all, y'all came that little oyster roast and y'all came in the next Sunday morning and I, what we doing? What's next door? You know what I really think was going on there? Y'all, I could be completely wrong and if so, I apologize for those that ain't, right? Here, here's what's honestly in my head though. We didn't have no church vote about cutting trees and we didn't decide how we was going to spend money and we, we ain't spent no money. Somebody volunteered their time, their gas and their machine to do it all. So if you had that negative thought, sit down and shut up. <laughs> Pastor, that wasn't nice. Well, it doesn't always have to be. Right. Think about this. this, this you got to be real and you got to be careful who you lean on. God may be speaking some 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 big things and, and you need something strong to, to lean on. Right. Maybe you ought to ask people, can you lean on? Like, just be just be upfront and honest, man. Can, can I trust you? I, I don't know who you're sitting by, but hopefully it's somebody that's a friend or a spouse or 34 year partner or whatever. Right. But you ought, can I can I really lean on you? Because I don't want to get in the middle of a famine and be leaning on somebody that doesn't have enough faith to get me out of it. Right. But like, I don't I don't wanna, I don't want to be surrounded by people that refuse to believe that better days are ahead, that, that, that this misery is all there is. And there's no more greater things in store. And, and they restrict my access to God's blessing because of their negative talk all the time. Right. I, I just can't listen to that. Sometimes you sometimes you just got to mute some people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think even Jesus did this when he was in the boat, you remember, and, and the storm was going and all his disciples get up and. And they weren't necessarily evil, evil thinking, but there were some doubters going on. There, there was some doubt, right? And, and, and what, is, what is the first thing he tells them? You remember? Oh, you have little faith. Then he looks back at the wind and the rain. What does he tell it? Shut up. Right? That's what he's saying. Peace be still. Like, calm down. Stop making so much racket so these people can see a real miracle. Sometimes you, you just, you just gotta, you gotta mute some people, man, as weird as that sounds. I'm not saying this to, I'm not telling you to be mean or anybody, not like that. I'm just saying don't lean on them. You know what, what's the song say? Lean on the everlasting arms of God. Right? Don't we say that? Let me lean on the everlasting arms. You know, let me build on the solid foundation, not the shifting sand of, of somebody's opinion and, and somebody's word and, and all that right there. Maybe it's our, our noise to signal to God ratio, you know, needs to be fixed and we're listening to the wrong voices. I don't know. And this wasn't even supposed to be a big point. It was just supposed to be like this little T90 thing that was there, but, but maybe you needed it more, right? Look how Elijah responds, though. So you could respond in a negative way. Elijah says, <laughs> oh, you're going to see it with your own eyes, but you ain't getting none of it. That's like the Philip translation. I think the official translation says, um, then the captain of the king's right, man, look, even if the Lord make it happen, that uh, <laughs> you will, in fact, see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Uh, but you ain't getting nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't, you ain't getting none of it, right? 
That, 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 that's kind of where where the story is going. And, and I want you to jump ahead. I told you we was going to jump just a little bit, right? Y'all just got to ride the boat with me today. So, so you jump ahead to verse 17, right? And, and Angie read it for us. So you guys know it's not like spoiling the end or anything like that. Right. But but the people that get to the enemy's camp, they're plundering through the enemy's camp and all this stuff. But verse 17, here's what it says. Like after they've done their checks, after they've done their balances. Now, the king had put the officer who's on arm. He leaned the right hand man in charge of the gate. Now, we go come back to the gate again. We've now been to the gate twice. Right? We go come to the gate three times. He put him in charge of the gate. Can you imagine being like second in charge? King's right hand man. Right. Like you're going to be the first dude to run through there and pick up your plunder and get whatever you want right after all this big thing. And the king looks at you and says, hey, since you was hating, go guard the gate. Oh, man. Right. I mean, can you just imagine like this? So so my first question, this is because of what comes later. But I want to ask it here because because we got two different people at the gates. If you don't know, we're going to come back to the lepers who are at the gates. Okay, just so you know, for your notes, if you need an order. Right. But who have you put in charge of your gates? And why have you put them there? And I don't care which gate we're talking about. Maybe it's regulate your thoughts. Maybe it's regulate your beliefs, your self-image or, or whatever it is. Right. He put this guy in charge of, of the gate. And there's a problem here. And sometimes there's a problem for us. Now, we know this guy's going to die. Right. But 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 here's the problem for us. Sometimes if we put a past experience in charge of the gate to our future. It has the potential to cause some some bad things. That makes sense. Like like what? What this guy could have did when he was in charge of the gate could have been real detrimental. Now, instead, the joy of the people overtook him and the excitement of the people overtook him. And it didn't really matter. But but sometimes we take something from the past and we put it in charge of the of the gate to our future. And that risks. Is great. Right. <laughs> it's, it's almost like Elijah's looking back at him at, at, at verse two and he's saying it's going to happen with or without you. And it does happen. And the king realizes this and the king says, well, Elijah said you won't go be there. So you hang out at the gate. But what if what if the king's faith? I've never thought until this way. What if the king's faith was so strong, like he was walking with his right hand man and he remembered Elijah's word. And he was like, oh, crap. Like, if you don't make it, I might not make it. You go back to the gate. You know what I'm saying? What if your what if your belief in God's word was so strong that you believe that in your daily walk? Because I think some of us walk with people we shouldn't be walking with. Right. And, and there's and there's some times that maybe you need to say, no, I'm not saying go help. I'm not saying not to go help people. I'm not saying you're not supposed to minister to people. Nothing like that. Don't be trying to mis- misinterpret what I'm saying. Right. But when you're on the path, God's put you on to go get what God's got for you and you took the wrong people with you. Is it not safe to say maybe sometimes you need to leave them back somewhere else? Because what if they stop you from getting whatever God's got for you? Right. Maybe the king had that thought. I don't know if the king had that thought. OK, that's that's not what it says. The king just said, hey, you got to go back to the gate. But I wonder, I wonder if like he had heard all this announcement and he had remembered Elijah and, and his prophecy and all this stuff. And he said, I'm not hanging with you any longer. Maybe you need to remember what some verses have said about not to hang out with certain people. That one's that one's not even in the notes, but it's free for you. Right. So so, so here's what he's what he did. And he gets to the gate and he's really blocking the breakthrough. You could, you could put that since he's a gatekeeper. Right. He saw he doesn't experience his unbelief blocks him. And then, then he gets trampled. And Elijah's words are true. He dies. And then that, that's just kind of the, the wrap up at the end. Right. How many of us block ourselves by blaming somebody else? Right. How many of us lock ourselves in like the prison of, of, of being offended or 
or, or you know, the, the, the prison of, of lack of belief or whatever. And I guess what I'm trying to get is tying this with what happened back in chapter six. So you take this guy's attitude and you go back to chapter six, verse 31 through 33. And I didn't put it on the screen, so I'm just going to kind of remind you of, of what Angie read real quick as we as we jot through it right here. And it says this, that he announced that God's going to um, punish me so severely that the head of Elijah uh, remains on the shoulders. Well, why is he so mad at Elijah? You need to understand why. Why? Or maybe you need to understand this. Who's he really mad at? Now, this is pre-Elijah's prophecy. Now, let me get you back in order. I know I jumped around. I apologize. I just got chaos all in my head, and it's all right. Right? Pre-prophecy, this guy's mad at Elijah. He's mad at Elijah. This is where the scene is. They're surrounded. They're not eating. The king just heard that a lady's eating another lady's baby. I mean, this is a, this is this is a heartbreaking thing, right? What, what what's he really mad at? You got to get it because some people are mad at you for the same reason. Who's he mad at? Somebody said it, I think he's mad at God. He's not mad at Elijah. He's mad at God. So why does he want to kill Elijah then? Because Elijah represents. You realize some people don't like you because you represent God. Now that's a tough pill to swallow, man. When you think you're like, I thought everybody would love me. No. Some people's gonna hate you even more because you represent. Somebody ain't gonna like your positive attitude coming up in the house all the time, you know? And that sounds weird to say. You're like, man, who wouldn't want that, right? But there's some, there's some not smart people out there, and that's just they don't like it, right? So we need to understand that. So he, he's instantly mad at Elijah, who represents God, because he's mad at God. And it says Elijah was sitting on his, or sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. They're probably doing a Bible study. And the king had sent this man to him before the messengers even got. I don't know how you thought you was going to sneak up on Elijah. Y'all remember last chapter? You can't sneak up on a ninja like Elijah, right? Like, like he, he's got Elisha. He's got this. He's got this thing with God. And like God gives him this. I tell the boys all the time, I got the seventh sense. They don't know what it is yet because they ain't got it. But but, you know, Elijah has got this like seventh sense. Like he he just knows when it's coming. Right. So he looks back at the di- at dudes in the Bible study and he says, uh, hey. Don't let nobody in that door. Right. That, that guy's not very, very happy with what's going on right now. And, and the messenger comes in and he shuts the door and he keeps him out and, and, and he hears the, the feet. And verse 33 says, when Elijah was still speaking with him, the messenger came down to him and he said, this disaster is from. The Lord. Why should we keep waiting for him any longer? You can't have a breakthrough while you're playing the blame game. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you can't. And that, that's what that's what that's what this guy's got. You, or you can't have a breakthrough and blame at the same time. You, you can't have both. Right. This isn't the Lord's fault. This is the leadership's fault. Let's go ahead and just swallow the pill and get right to it. Right. This whole nation wouldn't, shouldn't and couldn't be where they are if it wasn't for leadership failing at what they were not doing when they were supposed to be doing it. That's what's led this whole downfall. They've been blessed by God. They've been promised by God until they started taking their own paths. And now it's leading to stuff like this. And, and sometimes we won't. We won't take the initiative for our own responses. And I think sometimes that blocks our blessings. When you refuse to, to take the initiative for your own repentance, you're blocking the blessing of God. Right. Some of the greatest blessing you can give is the minute you start with repentance. You know, men in, men in the I can't, I can't get out of saying the upper room. So men in the upper room that's moved to the gym. Right. We, we had we, we had this big breakout discussion on forgiveness and all that kind of stuff on Wednesday night and, and, and it got, got kind of deep and emotional for some guys and stuff, which was good because here's the reality behind that. 
Like if, if we don't swallow that pill and get into repentance and get into to acceptance of, of being forgiven so that we can then forgive others and then respond the way God wants us to respond, not the way we want to respond. Right. Which takes it to a whole nother level. Like I got to do what God wants me to do to this person now. That means I can't not do nothing and I can't do what I wanted to do. I got to do what God wanted to do. But but if we get that all in order. Man, the blessing that can come behind it, the healing that can come behind it on those relationships and stuff and maybe lead to the next stage of reconciliation or maybe not. Maybe the lesson is for something else, right? It's hard for you to come out of famine while you're living in your own frustration. And that's where that's where the king has gotten. And, and, and I think it's funny that, that, that God uses this, this scenario because people are eating, if they are eating crap again, I don't know. People are eating dove crap and it doesn't do anything for the king. When the king finally hears that they've broken to the next level of cannibalism is when he he doesn't respond the right way, but it's what breaks him finally to respond. Why does God have to push us to the most gruesome thing sometime to get us to respond the way he wants us to respond? Right. And, and, and open the door. All right. Go back to chapter chapter seven, verse three. We're going back to the gate again. Now, four men with a skin disease. Is it like all out leprosy? I don't know. There's lots of skin diseases that took place in the New Testament. Evidently, it's bad because they got kicked out of the city and they're sitting at the gate. That's safe to say. No need to read any more into it than that, right? All right. So, so that's where they're at. They're at, the, they're at the entrance of the city gate, and they're said to each other this thing right here. Before they said it, we got to understand they, these guys have been kicked out because of their condition. You ever been kicked out because of your condition? Right? Good or bad? If you ain't never been kicked out, good or bad, I'll tell you right now, you need that experience in your life. You do. Like even when you get good, there should be some friends that kick you out of the group. You quit getting invited to parties. You quit getting invited to this. You quit getting asked, you know, for that. Or they quit asking you, hey, you still got so-and-so's number so I can get, you know, whatever they was getting from them. Oh, that that stops when when you get to that level. And it should. That's a good thing, right? So we got some guys there together. They kicked out because of their condition. And while they're out there, now we've studied leprosy a little bit before in, in past things. So we're not going to go too deep into it. But sometimes we miss our miracle because we feel unworthy. Can you imagine how unworthy these guys feel? Now, they've not only been kicked out to the city gates. You've got a picture there, see now. So you got this city. you got the gate, which they have to, to stay to the to 20, 10 to 20 feet away by law and all that of it, right? So you got to stay with the people. But then surrounded by that is, is this army. So like every day you're looking at a gate. That opens to a city that ain't got no food. Or you look behind you to the army enemy camp. That's probably got a lot of food. But they're probably going to kill you if you come over. And, and you're sitting there every day. And, 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 and may, maybe we need to understand this. God never predicted his blessing on your worthiness. Like your perfection is not a requirement. For God to use you. For, for God to admit you or anything like that. Your imperfection will never stop God from blessing anybody. And I want to make sure we get that. Because these four guys with a condition or about to be the guys that saved the whole city. Right? But they're unworthy. They're, they're, they're uncapable of being it, right? So these four lovers are sitting at the gate. And, and here's when they finally come to terms with, what do we have to lose? You ever been there finally? Some of y'all, that's what started you coming to church, if you're honest. Just supposed to be honest, right? You had nothing to lose. Like, you done tried everything else and it wasn't working. So you said, let's try it out. Right? Maybe you're still trying it out. Keep trying it out. Okay, maybe you write that in your notes. Keep trying it out. Keep trying it out. <laughs> I want a t-shirt like that. Y'all gonna get a t-shirt made? I want it, right? Keep trying it out. Hashtag, Brookhaven Fellowship, right? <laughs> so, so they're sitting at the gate and they're thinking about the same. Like, well, if we stay here, we die. 
If you're going to the city, which we're really not allowed to get into, we're going to die because they ain't got nothing to eat. You know, you don't go to a restaurant and ain't got no food, right? Like that, that would just be miserable. So then one of the guys, I don't know of the four, and he finally looks back and he, he says, well, those guys, they got so much. And you can imagine like maybe some discussion of, well, you know, if we go over there, they're going to enslave us or, or they're going to kill us or whatever. And, and one of the guys finally says, but we ain't got nothing else to lose. So let's just go. Let's just go. Look, look at the end of verse three. Why just sit here until we die? Why do you just sit in church until you die spiritually? Huh? You're so scared to eat your own stuff. You're so scared to open it up and start checking it out. You're so scared to pray. You're so scared to, to, to dive into some of the stuff. Why sit here until you wither away to nothing? A, a couple weeks ago, I don't I think it was two weeks ago. I'm not even sure anymore because all the chapters are so good and, and stuff. I, I asked you, when was the last time you had fire for God? When was the last time you were burning? And if you remember that moment, what in the world do you have to do to get it back? Don't be satisfied that you're not burning no more. Now, now some of that's just getting around people who's on fire. You know, best way to rekindle the flame is to is, is to throw some old hot charcoal up on it that's already burning, and that'll that'll ignite that thing back up, right? So that's part of it, right? So so so, so here's where they're going. They're they're kind of moving. You could call this a transition moment. They're moving from starvation to desperation. Now you think in, in a lot of terms right here on where that could be, right? Starvation to desperation. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say like. Like, amen. And that sounds weird. You're like, dang, that's that's where you want us to be. No, that's where God wants you to be. Because rock bottom may be exactly where God's going to meet you at. You know what I'm saying? Like the end of the end of this rope may be the start of, of your new rope. Right? So so the other side of desperation could be salvation like these guys. And you and you got to picture this. They're sitting around and, and they're thinking about this. And we don't know how bad their skin condition was and how much they smelled and, and all that kind of stuff that comes with some of those skin conditions. And then verse six, is, six and seven. I got to jump back to it so I can make sure we keep ourselves in order here. Right? They, they, they go on over there in verse 5 at twilight. They get up in the morning. They, they they roll up over there. They get to the edge of the camp, and they discover, ain't nobody there. What if God's just waiting on you to make a move, and he's already taking care of your problem? Right? Like, the problem's not even there anymore. They didn't know it until they moved. So they move. How bad would it have been if they stayed in that city starving to death while there wasn't even anybody out there? Y'all, y'all ever see, like, when people tie up a horse? I'm, I'm amazed sometimes about a horse, right? So a horse, that, that's a big, mighty, powerful animal. But you can tie that thing to like a hitch post, which that horse in all honesty could rip out of the ground if it wanted to. It's got that much power. But just that one little, she's going to yell at me because I don't know the right of that piece of leather strap. <laughs> that, that one little piece of leather strap wrapped around that thing and you walk off. And that horse thinks, I've seen guys tie a horse or, or whatever you call it, you know, hitch up a horse to, to like a chair in the yard. And I laugh because I'm like, man, I would take that chair and run all over the yard with it if it could and want, or, or it could if it wanted to, right? But something in his mind makes it think like that's that's what I'm supposed to say. And I wonder how many of you guys just have a piece of leather strap rolled over something, keeping you where you're not really bound to, but only by your mind. What if they'd stayed in this city and these lepers didn't go check it out, and there'd have been nobody around them? but themselves, and they're mentally keeping themselves enslaved. How many of us keep ourselves enslaved mentally? Ooh, there's a question for today, right? Emotionally. We've trapped ourselves by something that, a problem that doesn't even truly exist any longer because God's already dealt with it. We just hadn't dealt with it. That's where they're at. And they get over there, 
And I was supposed to read six, not five, so I apologize. But five was good. And, and they get over there and it said, and it tells us what happened. For the Lord had caused the, the army camp to, to hear the sound of chariots and horses and large armies. This is awesome, by the way. Chapter, chapter last week, God made him go blind or gave him a delusion so he could get led into it. This week, he gives them like little special things in their ears. Now, I, I don't know what God really did. Maybe he gave them just a special sound in their ear that nobody else could hear. Maybe he caused the earthquake to, to rumble. Maybe he caused thunder in the sky to rumble. Maybe an army of angels really did come down and, and shake the ground up. I don't know. I don't care. But it's so awesome that God's got them all so shook up that it says the king of Israel, this is what they're thinking. Oh, man, the king of Israel must have hired the kings of the Hittites, those guys to the north of us, and the kings of Egypt, those guys over on the other side of us, to attack us. They hear something that's not even there, huh? and they're afraid of it. So they get up and they flee, abandoning their tents, their horses, their donkeys, their camp was intact, and they fled for their lives. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a minute, but when it gets to verse 8, it even says that, like their clothes was left laying there. So Crystal tells me last night while we're driving to get a bite to eat, she goes, does that mean they flee away naked? I, I think they still had their pajamas on. I just think like they didn't take their extra clothes with them. All right? I don't know why my wife had to go to a naked scene, but that's where she went with it. You know, so, so, but, but it makes you think, like, how fast did they get up and just sprint? When they heard this noise, can you imagine God putting that much fear in your enemy? You know, it's crazy. That, that, that sounds cool, right? And it sounds amazing. What's crazy is scripture says that if you and I would worship and, and just just break out into praise for God, that it would slap Satan in his mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I, I think if you and I would truly worship. Like, truly have a breakout. I ain't talking about worship songs. I'm talking about worship. Right? If we would truly worship, I think the devil would have a panic attack. You know what I'm saying? Like, that many people against you all at once shouting about the one you know that can cut your butt. I think he'd have a panic attack. I think he'd be done. I think he would flee and you would have so many less problems because he would be afraid to combat you. You know what I'm saying? When me and Crystal first started dating, I don't know if I still have this authority, right? When we first started dating, we'd pull up to, to Carter's or, or Edie's, any of them. I'd leave my windows down. I'd leave my truck running. I'd leave cash sitting right in the, in the, in the uh, cup holder thing that was, you know, right there. And she would flip out. Are you really going to go in the store and leave everything right here? Yeah, baby. There ain't nobody messing with my vehicle in Ridgeville. Right? You know, I did, you know, a little smaller back then and all that. Again, I don't know if I can pull it off nowadays, but I try all the time. But, you know, I had that confidence. Now, that's in a little town of Ridgeville at a little gas station that I'm realistically going in the store for like two minutes and coming right back out, right? So I can like run the truck down if it wouldn't go, right? But can you imagine how God has that kind of authority over the whole world, the whole universe and everything that's been created? And the devil knows it. So you better believe the devil can leave or God can leave you running with the windows down and your money sitting right there in the console and he ain't going to touch the doors to your car. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's the kind of authority God has if we would give it to him, man. Man, write, write this down. The proof of desire is in your pursuit. I actually come up with that for, for some marriage counsel. The proof of your desire is in your pursuit. Now, think about that. If you want to prove that you desire your wife, <laughs> what kind of pursuit are you putting in? Right? Or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? 
Like we talk about forgiveness and then reconciliation. Sometimes to get to the reconciliation, you got to have enough desire that's proven in your pursuit. And if somebody's not going to prove it in their pursuit, maybe it ain't the real thing that needs to happen. Now we think spiritually and where it's at right here. Can we really tell God, oh, God, I only desire you. Oh, God, I only love you. And then what do we do during the week? Huh? Are we really pursuing him the way we're supposed to? The way we say it? The way we perceive it? What are you proving with your level of pursuit? Maybe you should ask it that way. What are you proving with your level of pursuit? See, some of us are proving to God. If this is a true statement, then some of us are proving to God we don't want to pursue him at all. We have no desire for him at all. Because we're not doing anything to pursue it. We're not pursuing a relationship with him. We're not pursuing growth in our walk with him. We come to church, get a checklist done, maybe say a prayer over the meal because that's like the right thing to do as a holy person, and, and then we roll on the rest of the week. Right? The proof of desire is in your pursuit. Maybe you can say, I, I like it this way, since we go back to that singing thing that we started this whole thing with, right? You can sing about hunger all day long, but it doesn't prove you're hungry. You can talk about hunger all day long. All it's going to do is make other people hungry. doesn't prove you're hungry. Right? You can come to church all day long, but it doesn't prove you're hungry. What proves you're hungry? When you start singing that song and your desire, your hunger, that desire for that hunger takes over, right? Your, your expectation when you arrived at church reveals your hunger. You can say it that way. What'd you, what'd you come here this morning expecting? Huh? You, you, you come here expecting just, you know, some mediocre supper or did you come here really expecting to meet with God? Did you really think, man, I know they're going to start the service off with, with some music and some time for me to get my head right and, and, and to hear from God and get right. Did you take advantage of it? Or did you just come in and go through the routine? Right? Routine is some of the most dangerous things we can get into when it comes to church, guys. It really is. I mean, it, it, it really, it really, I wish like the schedules didn't, didn't allow this, but it'd be almost neat if we could just have church on a different day of the week every week. I mean, that would be crazy, right? Right? I mean, it'd be crazy. But what, what if we could? What, what, what if we did that, right? Let, let's go on. Actions prove your hunger or lack of it, however I was wording that thing, right? Desperation drives us to risk action. These four lepers are overtaken by their, their hunger. You ever, you ever been, you ever been hungry for something? Some of y'all are like, I'm hungry right now. If you keep talking about this word hunger, right? Right? Have you ever been so hungry for something else though? Something you've been missing. Maybe you and your spouse have been apart for a while because of work or travel or, or whatever. And it, it developed hunger for, for them or hunger for your children or, 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 or hunger for a friend that you ain't seen in a while, or, or just a, a hunger from hearing about what all God's been been doing and stuff, right? Do, do you ever just get tired of like halfway healing, partial healing, a uh, 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 partial breakthrough, partial victory, partial freedom, halfway healed, halfway set free, and all that? Why would you want to go halfway at anything and stop? Right? I mean, think about that. It it, it just. Man, I, don't, I can't go into the illustration I want to use. So never mind. Let me move on before I get in trouble. They, they become so sick of hunger that they conclude they can either sit and die or they can get up and try something. They got a David attitude. Last week, I don't know if you guys caught it when we were closing. Like, like I, I, I thought about something with David when he stood up against Goliath. And, and he brought that happy meal to his brothers, you know, and he's, he's chilling out over there with them. And he hears this guy talking trash. And he had two choices. Well, I can either go fight Goliath and die or I can be a slave to them for the rest of my life. Remember, whoever won that battle, was the other team was going to be slaves to that team. So David said, it is better that I go fight and take a chance than to die and become a, or to live and become a slave. That's the same attitude these lepers got. It's better I'll go die and take a chance. Right? It's, it's better I'll take a chance. I think there's some, some famine probably going on in the, in the land and in the church of our own stuff, right? 
Maybe it's because we think hanging out with God is the same thing as everybody else's. I can't think of how to. <laughs> Man. You know, we, we, we hang out with God, but it doesn't impact our walk or our attitude or our habits or relationship and our, and our finances. When, when, you, when, you, when you're not impacted by everything, when God doesn't impact everything else, there's a problem going on, man. There's a famine outside and, and crazy people, crazy people in this world. And these guys say, man, it's better to die than to just, I mean, it's better to sit here. It's better not to sit here and die, but to, but to go out and fight. Look, look at some leper, lessons they teach us. Number one. This is not the beginning of the sermon for you that just got scared, right? It's not how sick you are, it's how hungry you are. That's something the lepers teach us. It ain't how sick you are, it's how hungry you are. I know a lot of people that are sick, but they're not hungry for the healing. Right? So it's not how hungry you are, it's how, it, it, it's how hungry you are for, for the healing right here, right? Sometimes, you know, the failure and the frustration are nothing more than what God's using to usher great men into their destiny. I mean, think about this. Now, you got a picture of the scene from God's, God's viewpoint. If these guys had been in the city, they would have died. But something caused them to be outcast and have to sit outside the city gate where they could get to the other side and check it out. Right. It was a condition, a condition they didn't like, a condition they weren't happy with, a condition that didn't make them feel good about themselves. But it was a condition they got. And they're sitting right there. And their only choice then is to be able to go to the other side and check it out. Sometimes your past mistakes, God will use to do great things with you. Right. They could have continued doing what they had been doing, but, but something in them, some hunger began to stir up. And because of this hunger, they said, I'm going to move. Principle two, it wasn't even how many they were, but how united they were. So, so just as, as a church, we got to ask, like, what unites us? What unites us? You know, Mitch used to uh, always describe the church this way. I thought it was great. He'd say it's, it's like a group of misfits. Now, that doesn't really make you want to join up and be part of the team, right? But but when you really realize it, you're like, yeah, man, we're all misfits at some level. Like we've all got some crap going on or we've been through some crap or we're getting ready to go through some crap or or, or whatever. And, 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 and we're a bunch of misfits that have been healed by God. Like the thing that unites us is our healing and our restoration has taken place. Yeah. So what, what, what unites you? What what the world uses to push you together is sometimes what can empower you to do great things. Right. The world was pushing them away together. You know, anybody ever feel like an outsider? Look around the room. Just keep your hand up. Look around the room. Now, you can be envious of the people who aren't raising their hands. They're a bunch of holy rollers, and, right? But, but look around the room. How many? That's a lot of people raising their hand inside that feel like outsiders, right? So you see, maybe it's, it's being an outsider that unites us at some level. And, and that's what they get to, right? God is always, it's only four of them, four that decided they could shake the world upside down kind of thing out here, right? But God's always doing stuff like this with, with, with small things, right? Quit worrying about what you don't have and start focusing on what you got. They could have sat right there and whined and whined and whined. And hey, they could have looked at each other and whose sore is worse than whose and whose skin condition is worse than whose and who smells worse than who. And, and you know, who's got, who's got it worse? They could have played that game. Y'all laugh because some of y'all play that game, Right? Quit whining about what you don't got and realize what you're blessed with. Well, we're blessed with each other. Not that it's a great group, but we're blessed with each other. That's what us four were thinking. Right? Y'all thought I was talking about y'all. Like, no, y'all are great, right? You, you ever, you ever notice I, I got into this last night and I, I, I'm glad it got me to where it's going to lead me. I, I started to remember when we did, the, anybody with us when we did the, the study on numbers and symbolism? Not a one. Okay. So three of us in the room, three of us in the room actually studied numbers and symbolism and all that kind of stuff on a Wednesday night. 
And the number four was the number for creation. And the way we look at it in the world's view, you got north, south, east, and west. You got winter, spring, summer, fall. It, it just represents a, 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 a creative miracles about to take place, right? So, so that's what got me looking into it. So I looked into and Hebrew letters have, you know, a numeric value and, and all that kind of stuff. So the fourth letter, the uh, word called delat, or however you'd properly say it, right? But they're into pictures. And the picture of it is a door. And I, I just got excited. So if you guys don't get excited with this last little thing right here, just pretend you're excited for me, right? Because you care about my emotions, right? So, so you've got this door, which is kind of like a gateway, right? We keep coming back to that gateway. So you've got this picture of this door, which is like a gateway. And then I read this definition for a door. Who would have thought the definition of door could get you excited, right? Transition from one thing to another. Now, you tie that in with the symbolism, right, of it being for creation. God's about to transition these guys from from famine into a new season. Right? Like that, y'all, that's where y'all are supposed to help me out. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'll do it one more time because now you're hurt my feelings. I felt like I studied for no reason this morning and, and all that, right? So, so you got this door, which means transition from one place to another. Right. And, and you got these guys who are out the gate. They got this famine going and they walk through the door from famine into a new creation. Oh, okay. I'm glad you guys think it was as good as I did. Right. I will not study any more Hebrew for the rest of the time. Right. <laughs> They're outside, united by a problem. They approach. Now, understand we've studied lovers again. Remember, so when you approach, what do they have to start shouting? I'm a leper. I'm unclean. Like they've got to. What if you had to shout your condition? <laughs> we all got real quiet now, right? Can you imagine if you had to announce your condition? You wouldn't have any friends. You wouldn't. You'd be the saddest little human being in the world, right? I got a target problem. Well, I got a cocaine. You know, it go to all. What if you had to announce something that's wrong with you on the inside? Because that's what they're doing. I got a lust problem. I got a perversion problem, right? What? What if as you're walking, <laughs> what if as you're walking, you see somebody, you see Mike, you're like, Mike, I was talking about you yesterday, but hey, how are you? Right? What if you had to be that kind of honest with, with what's going on right here, right? I mean, that's just, that's just wild to think about what these guys had to do. They had to announce their condition, right? And, and here's the sad part. Like, they're announcing this condition, and they're there, and they decide to leave the city gates because, you know, like, the doggy bags have stopped and all this kind of stuff. And it almost reminds me of, like, the four men in the New Testament. Y'all, y'all catch there was four. You remember the New Testament where like Jesus was preaching and the house is so packed there's no room. So four guys get crazy and they tear a roof, a hole in the roof. I hope we get packed one day so much that like y'all want to tear a hole in the roof to like go to a next, like maybe a two story. So I don't even know how that's possible. We could, we could figure it out. Right. And, and, and but yeah, you know crazy that is. What's awesome. Their crazy faith, their crazy boldness. The guy gets healed. If it hadn't been for crazy faith of four guys, he wouldn't have got his miracle. If it hadn't been for four crazy guys like lepers, I mean, think about what they're doing here, guys. I mean, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I think sometimes you guys aren't getting what you ought to be getting because you've got too many limits on your faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've limited God too much. You, you connect with the right-hand man rather than these, these things. You've got too many conditions. Well, I'm worried about what so-and-so are thinking. I'm worried about how I look here, and, and I'm worried about this, and I'm worried about that. Stop worrying and just trust God. Just follow what God says. Their crazy condition positioned them to be God's secret weapon. That's how awesome it is, right? The very thing you hate about yourself might be what God's about to use to bless you. Now, that's wild. I mean, these guys, if they had mirrors, I don't think they had mirrors, but they went down to the stream and looked in the stream like they weren't happy with the way they looked. 
But the very thing they weren't unhappy about was what God was going to use to put them in a position to, to bless this whole city. Right? Now, another lesson. <laughs> it's not how, how crazy the method, but how powerful the God. When I, when I read this thing, and I think back to like Gideon's army, when I was jotting my nose, you know, God doesn't do normal. If you're getting ready to go fight, like you build a big army. For Gideon, God said, no, you need to make it lower. You need to make it lower. You need to make it lower. You need to make it, oh, okay, now you got way many, way too many less people than would make sense for the world to do it. I'll do it this way. Like God doesn't do normal. Thank God for that, right? So, so here's what I'm kind of thinking of. Here's what I mean by there's not being normal. But they're, they're sitting there thinking about, well, if we go there, we die. If we go here, we die. Let's just, let's just go to the enemy camp. That's the dumbest idea you could have came up with in that situation. Right? It doesn't make any sense. Maybe we can say it this way. God's not focused on making sense. Right? Like maybe your senses, maybe your senses are what's killing you. Your, your sight, what you see is killing you. What you hear is killing you. What you smell distracts you. Right? They, they had no choice at this point. This isn't the kind of people like to come to church to check it off so grandma's proud that they made it to a Sunday service. This is the people who got to go to church because they need God. Right? They've gotten to that point where they need a miracle in order to survive. To survive. And, and I had this, and I, I don't know for sure if it makes makes sense in, in what my brain was thinking, but, but desperation is what drives God sometimes. Not his desperation, but ours. Because we act on it. That, <laughs> you guys see the great faith of these lepers? Do you? I don't. That's a trick question, because I really don't. Do you guys see it? Because I don't. I don't see anything about them where they prayed. I don't think anything about them. We're like, oh, God will save us. You know what I see? I see desperate guys just deciding to do something. Right? Is it, can we be honest? And that's really where they're at. You ever been so so desperate you just do something? Right? That, that's where they're at right here. Hunger is about to bring them a harvest. Look at verse 5. At dusk before the light came to God, and they went to the camp. They reached the camp. Nobody's there. God had already displaced their enemies and gotten rid of them. The devil's already fleed. They're gone. You know, maybe maybe we should just just get that attitude of I'm going to move. I'm I'm going I'm going to move. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to stay here like this. I'm not going to starve like this. I'm not going to go out this way. I'm not starving when my God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, like Scripture says, right? For the Lord had caused the Armenians to hear the sound of chariots and horses that weren't even there, and made them all run away. The very enemy that surrounded them has fleed when four guys, four cripples just came crossing the area to come on up to the camp and check it out, right? Man. Now, I wish we could. Don't do it just because I say do it. And I'm, I'm dead serious about exist faith, right? But I wish like we would get some moments where we just shouted and put the devil in that panic attack on something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just, just bust out. I don't care if you're at work. I don't care if you're at church. I don't care if you're driving down the road. I don't care if you're laying in bed at night and have a dream. Just bust out in such a shout, such a joy. Though, like the devil just he can't he can't even hang around you, right? Maybe maybe the church is full of people who've been quiet for too long, right? You realize teen suicide is at an all time high. I don't think we should be quiet about it. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 you you realize like. Like there's so much stuff going on outside where God has already promised like like great things. I don't think we should stay silent any longer. If these guys had stayed silent, they would have died of their leprosy. It would have killed them, right? If, if they would have tried to, to stay hidden, they would have died. 
God's going to use all that stuff that you feel unworthy about, you feel limited about, to break through to a limitation. That's that's what he's going to do, right? They go to the camp, they see the enemy's already gone, and and they just start taking their their stuff. I I had wrote down before, like I already read it a bunch and not thinking about the order. I had wrote down like, what was the first thing they did? Expecting like it to be this spiritual, spiritual answer when I was trying to fill in my, my little chart and all. And then I went back and looked and it was the eight. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just honest. It ain't got to be spiritual, right? That was the first thing they did. Man, they've been in a famine their whole, for years. I don't remember the whole life. They've been in a famine for years. Of course, the first thing they did was eat. What's the next thing they did? Washed off, rinsed off, then what? That's all to drink. I bet they put on new clothes. I do. It said they went through their plunders, you know, is that uh, part of how it's worded. So, so what else did they do? What's that? You gotta start grabbing some gold and silver. Then what they do? They start hiding stuff. We we get ashamed of reading this, but this is not react this is not exactly how we most likely would have reacted, probably. Huh? You don't know when the next one's coming out. You don't, you, you don't even understand, right? What, what if because of the way they were, hear me now and please hear this spiritually. What if because of the way they were conditioned what they did when they received? What I mean by that is this. They were lepers. They were used to hiding. Their job was hiding. Right? Their job was, was making something last as long as it could because they didn't know when they would get the next thing. What if the devils tricked you into thinking that you should be so afraid of your condition you should be so afraid of what may or may not ever come again that he wants to keep you in hiding and he wants you to hide your gift and he wants you to hide your ability. Right. That's in essence, that's what they're doing. We hide because we convinced one another that we hide because we're afraid of, of what might happen. But what if we were to be bold enough to let it shine? Verse nine. Another lesson. What God bless us with. We got to take the others. Verse nine. It says this right here. Then they said to each other. What we're doing is not right. They had some iron sharp and iron moment, right? They had, they had some, some men in the upper room moment. They looked at each other and man, we, we ain't doing it right, bro. Like we, we've messed up. There's something, something we gotta, we gotta change, right? Some of the greatest words you can tell your brother in Christ when you mean it from the heart is we ain't doing it right. Because that means you're, you're willing to say we gotta start doing it right. Right. To realize you're not doing it right means you're also realizing there's some changes got to take place. You, you ain't happy with your marriage? Sit down and look at your, your spouse in the eye and tell them we ain't doing it right. What can we do to change it? You're not happy with the way your kids are? Sit down and, you know, depending on their level of, of, of age and all that kind of stuff, sit down and tell them we, we, we're not doing something right. We need to figure out something that's going to make it right. Churches are failing sometimes because they're not willing to say we're not doing it right. Said to each other, we're not doing it right. Today is a day of good news. It's one of the first times I can think of that the word gospel is used, by the way. You know, gospel means good news, right? If we were silent, we wait until the morning comes. Our punishment is going to catch us. So let's go tell the king's household. <laughs> let's go to the very area we were kicked out of. Let's go to the very people who banished us. Wow. Only God can produce that kind of change in somebody, right? Right. And that's. That's what they do. So you got these these lepers who have bad news. They go to salvation, which is good news. Then they go to celebration, which is that you know that woohoo moment. Their, their desperation drove them into action. Their action produces a great reward. Uh, the great reward produces a responsibility. Now, 
You've got everything in this chapter, man. What's their responsibility? Their responsibility is to take their treasure to those that don't have it. You ever, you ever been to a new great restaurant? You, you, ever been, you, you ever been the type of person? You ain't got to raise your hand. I'll raise mine. I'll be myself. You ever been the type of person to like, you find this great restaurant? And you don't tell nobody. Yeah, that's <laughs> Why not? Me and Cliff's the only evil ones in the room. Why don't you tell nobody? Yeah, that's it, man. When we found Pedro's, I had to, I had this thing in my head. I was like, all them sap suckers from church be going to El Jalapeno's all the time. And they make me wait in line because I'm the last one to leave the church because I got to lock up and all that stuff. While all y'all wait, wait, you wasted a restaurant and you get there first and you got your little table and you, where, where, where's your husband? Golly. Time to watch this on video, right? And your in-laws, right? Outlaws. Yeah, they get there, they got their little table, everything's great, and then I make my way there, and what do they tell me? Oh, no, no, it's the, the lady at the front says, sir, you're going to have to wait. I found, I found Pedro's, small place. Y'all all know about it now, so it ain't a secret, but I had, to, I had that I had that battle club. I like, if I don't tell nobody, it won't fill up. <laughs> I can get in there quick, I can get in there easy, I ain't got to worry about it no more, right? Right? Why do we do that? Why do we want to keep stuff to ourselves? You know the sad part is we do this church-wise. We get like this cool revelation, but we're afraid to share it. We get faith and we're afraid to, to pass it on. We, we want to keep it to ourselves. These lepers said, man, if we, we keep this to ourselves, imagine how wrong this is. And yeah, I understand. They're probably thinking like something terrible is going to come up. They're probably thinking when the king finds out what we know. Well, what about our king? What about our king? What about when our king finds out what we know and what we didn't do with it? Right? Isn't there going to be some disappointment in him then? This is the day of good news. In other words, this is the day of the gospel. This is the day of celebration. Celebration moves you to an obligation, church. If you celebrated something here today, you've got an obligation to go outside and tell somebody about it. That's crazy, right? But but, but we do. Now, the order is important. Please make sure you don't miss the order. I, I picked on them, but I, and I didn't realize the spiritual meaning behind it. Remember I told you I was looking for like what was the first thing they did? I was thinking it was going to be something spiritual, like holy. They had a praise break. No, they ain't. It's the same thing with us. You can't share with somebody what you ain't first chewed on. You get it? Right? You can't You can't go out and tell others uh, about something if you ain't enjoyed the feast yourself first. Right? Now, some people will try to do that because they heard something and they didn't get something. Now, you see where, now you see where it is? You heard about the buffet. You can't, y'all, if y'all ain't been to Pedro's, y'all can't go tell nobody about Pedro's. I can, because my wife takes me there once a week, right? Sometimes more, right? Because that's her place, right? Don't y'all go filling up that restaurant now. <laughs> it's too tiny for all y'all to be up in there, right? But, but, but that's where we go. We cannot properly share the good news of Jesus Christ unless we've enjoyed it ourselves. Not talking about enjoyed it, not heard about it, not talked about it, enjoyed it yourselves. It's too good for us to keep to ourselves. What, what if you had the ability... I think somebody give me their favorite restaurant other than Pedro's. Y'all can't take mine. Trixie. <laughs> y'all ain't got a y'all ain't got a location, man. <laughs> and I can't do this for you because you're the owner of that, so that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> y'all hear that advertising company? What's your favorite restaurant you can go to where you need a server? Sea Cow. Alright? So if you go over, you know what I'm talking about. That's other stuff. Yeah, baby. Right? Y'all don't go there either. That's a small place too. They don't have room for y'all. Right? <laughs> it's a 45 minute ride. You don't want to go all the way over there. Right? Well, what if they let you work at the Sea Cow? 
much you think you could sell if you was working at the CCAL. That's your favorite place now. Think about how good you can talk about it. You imagine if you got to work at your favorite restaurant. Now, I'm not saying you found any dirty secrets because some of y'all think, I don't know if I want to know what goes on. No, this is clean. CCAL is clean and perfect. There is nothing bad going on, right? But if, but if you were there, could you imagine if you the server? You could up talk everything in that restaurant, bro. Like you need somebody working at your store that loves what you're selling, right? Because they can sell it better than no, better than anybody, right? Think about that. What, what if the church would move from being consumers to being waiters? Oh, well, no, pastor, that means we got to do something. Huh. Go figure, right? What, what, what if? What if we went from being consumers of something to being the waiters of the restaurant? How much of a blessing could we bring forth, right? I, th- I think it's awesome. This this ending right here, this this, this little la- last section right here, man, that, that gets this thing wrapped up. They're excited to share what God has done. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys are gonna get this, but but here, here's what got me so cool at the end. I'm wrapping up right now. I promise, right? Like here's what's so cool at the end. The guys who were used to making announcements. Or the guy who has to make the announcement. Have you ever thought about it? Like they, they had to say what? You said it a minute ago. When they came within 10 to 20 feet of somebody. Unclean, I'm a leper. They had, they were used to making announcements for the negative. Can you imagine how excited they was to make an announcement for the positive? I bet, I bet if it was 10 to 20 feet legally, I bet they was 50 feet away from the gates when they first started shouting when they got back to them, right? I'm a leper, I'm unclean, but let's go, baby. Right? I know where the food is. I know where the silver is. I know where the clothes is. I know where the gold is. I know where everything is. Right? Can you imagine how excited they they were to to get out there and start shouting, let's go? The only person who can really shout about victory is somebody who experienced victory. These guys experienced victory, and they were excited about it. Huh? You want to know what saved my marriage? Let me tell you what saved my marriage. You want to know what saved my children? Let me tell you what saved my children. You want to know what saved me? Let me tell you what saved me, right? If he healed you, if he saved you, if he raised you, if he's been good to you, you got a testimony. And you ought to be shouting about it. You ought to be excited about it, right? You ought to be announcing it. If you're not ashamed of the gospel and you're grateful for what he's done, we ought to be going crazy about it, right? That's what these guys do. These guys get to this point and, and, they, and they get down to this to the city gates and they tell them, I, I found exactly what happened, guys. You won't believe this. The other army's gone. Like God then did some kind of miracle and they're out. And just being the way people are, they're a little cautious. So they send out this, this, this search party. Hey, y'all go, y'all go check this out. I think it was so good. You see, from a worldly perception, you think it, you send out a search party. Them guys ain't coming back. They're going to take all that stuff, right? They're going to be empty when everybody else get there. But it was so good. They come back and tell the king the same thing. They come back and like, man, what, what them four little outcasts said was, was true. Those those guys, they, they knew what they really found. And it's it, it's a real thing. And then another group. And then another group. And then so many people busted out of that gateway, that doorway, that number four, that talat. That they ran over the guy who was so full of doubt that he tried to block the miracle. Right. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're one that's full of doubt, don't stand at the doorway. Because those that are on fire will squish you to get to what they want to get for God. Right? Let's surround ourselves with people like us, even when they corrupt and messed up. Right? 
Because while that may be what united us, what also united us was what healed us. Right? We're not all here because we're a bunch of different beliefs. We're here because we're united by one belief. That Jesus Christ can take all my imperfections, all my mess ups that I thought was just so bad and so unusable, all my mistakes, and he can use me to save a whole city. And he can use you to save a whole county and a whole town and a whole state and, and, and further and further and further and further. Right. Start telling people so that there's groups coming afterwards. You guys pray with me. Father God, we love you so much. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this chapter. We thank you for the lessons, God. But I pray more than ever. That we don't just be thankful for an old story, Lord God. But we let this morning be something that starts our story. God, that we come to terms right now with whatever condition has kept us outside the gate. And we get tired of sitting outside the gate and we move. God, move us in such a special way, Lord God. God, watch and guide us. Give us discernment on who to lean on and who to trust and, and who to believe what we hear from. Him. Give us the boldness, Lord God, to preach and, 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 and proclaim, Lord God, your goodness. Despite whatever the world and others may be thinking, even when it don't make sense. God, give us the, the boldness to do the things that aren't normal, that you love to work in. Help us be like a jawbone or a little red cord or a little lamp of oil, Lord God, or, or just four messed up dudes who said enough is enough. God, open our eyes to see the hurt outside. Increase our passion, Lord God, not to, to be like a king and to blame you, Lord God, but to be like these four lepers and understand that we can do something. And if we need to be made desperate, Lord God, to move us that way, then God, I pray that you do it. But also pray for the healing that comes right after. Your great name we pray. Amen.